Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Great to have you here tonight. My name's uh, Nick Van Ruth. I'm one of the pastors here at Hills Baptist. Uh, we're um, continuing in our series, Reclaiming the Resurrection. Last week, we had Sam G f- uh, from Verdun share and powerfully preach uh, on the resurrection, on the gospel. And he shared a lot of his story uh, as well in that uh, the sun sets and rises again was the title of his talk. But he reminded us uh, that the heart of what Paul had to say to the Corinthians was the gospel, that Jesus died and he rose again. And, and through the book, we've been working through 1 Corinthians for quite a while, on and off. Uh, there's a whole heap of issues that we've come across, leadership issues, unity issues, uh, ethical issues, sex issues, leadership, I already said leadership issues, there's a lot of, lot of leadership issues, um, conflict issues, uh, how to do church issues, the use or misuse of spiritual gifts issues. And at the end of the book, Paul kind of uh, dives into what the underlying problem is, is a misunderstanding of the resurrection of Jesus. Do they truly realise what the resurrection meant for them? Do we truly realise what the resurrection of Jesus means for us today? Because Paul makes a very uh, strong point that the resurrection happened and he lists all these different people who were witnesses to the event uh, and makes it such a central point to his message, central point to what he preached and proclaimed. But one of the things I've been reflecting about recently is that we don't talk about the resurrection very much. Like we mention it week to week and usually at some point on a Sunday we say Jesus rose again and that's really good. But do we actually talk about what the impact is? Do we realise what that means for us today? And even I was um, uh, talking with someone during the week uh, that a lot of evangelistic talks that we might give to uh, non-Christian communities or even in Christian communities, uh, often um, the central point is the cross, that Jesus died for our sins. But if you read the book of Acts, the central point of all of those those evangelistic talks is the resurrection. The resurrection is mentioned in every single message in Acts, but the cross isn't. Isn't that interesting? The resurrection is, uh, is, is such a central part of the early church teaching, the early church identity, but have we lost it? Have we missed it? And why? Why has Jesus' bodily resurrection lost its glamour, lost its sparkle? Is it because it's unfeasible? People don't rise from the dead. That just doesn't happen. And so... Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Or is it if it were really true, then we'd have no choice but to throw ourselves uh, all in to the faith of the one who rose again? 
There are many other perspectives out there, people uh, in the church who do deny the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Uh, and I, I uh, when uh, researching some stuff and looking, listening to some other voices, um, there was one article that said that a quarter of British Christians don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. That's quite a high uh, proportion for something that's central, that we would considered essential to our faith. Uh, there's one Baptist pastor who uh, made popular uh, the idea that the resurrection, what the resurrection refers to is Jesus' ongoing personality living on through his people. So he didn't physically rise from the dead, but his personality lives on. That's uh, not what people witnessed, over 500 people witnessed, as Paul proclaims, uh, shares in 1 Corinthians 15. Even um, Martin Luther King According to um, his early days, uh, he didn't believe in a bodily resurrection of Jesus. Martin Luther King Jr., um, he said, uh, talking about the disciples, they've been captivated by the magnetic power of his personality. And this basic experience led to, to the faith that he could never die. Effectively saying that it was Jesus' personality that lived on. And then one very popular voice uh, from uh, recently, although I say recently, it's more like 10, 15 years ago, um, uh, but Bishop Spong, uh, Bishop Spong, I've actually got a video of him and what he has to say about the resurrection. There is no question in my mind that had there not been some transforming experience that happened to the disciples after the death of Jesus that convinced them that he had conquered the boundary of human death, there would be no Christianity. But what people don't understand is that the idea that that experience meant the resuscitation of a body that could walk physically out of a tomb on the third day after crucifixion is a very late developing tradition. You will not find it in Paul. You will not find it in Mark. Most people are surprised to know that in the first gospel, Mark, written in the early 70s, that nowhere does the risen Christ ever appear in Mark to anybody. It's only in the late Gospels that he not only appears, but offers his flesh to be inspected and eats and walks and talks and interprets scripture. It's a very late development in the tradition. There is a powerful Easter experience that starts the whole Christian faith, transforms the disciples, changes them from cowards who had forsaken him and fled and brought them back into being heroic followers of this Jesus. Changed the way they understood God so that whatever that Easter experience was, they could never again think of God without seeing Jesus as part of that definition. They could never again see Jesus without feeling that God was part of that definition. Something incredibly powerful happened, but it had nothing to do with the resuscitation of the body. Um, Spong said that uh Paul does not mention the resuscitation on the, of the body, um, but he says in 1 Corinthians 15, he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and he appeared physically to Cephas and then to 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, uh, that you can go and ask. And this was written uh, probably in 60 AD, 70 AD, before the Gospel of Mark, um, but why is the physical resuscitation or, or the physical resurrection of Jesus so important? Why is it such a big deal? Why is it core 
to our theology, core to our understanding of what it means to be a Christian. And um, today we're going to ask that question and talk about it next week. Uh, Sophie Gary is coming and we're going to have a Shabbat Shalom, our community dinners, and she's going to be answering that question. Why is the resurrection a big deal uh, in a guest-friendly, uh, you know, um, open and, and available to non-Christians to come and hear uh, in that kind of setting? So uh, if, if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, come next week. Tonight will be helpful for you as well. Um, uh, but next week, uh, Sophie's coming. If you have friends who are wrestling with this and, and wondering about this, bring them along. Uh, it will be a really power and powerful and effective uh, time together. But Paul makes a very strong point that the resurrection is core, central to our theology, to our understanding of and our identity as Christians. And, um, and so where the passage goes after he makes a, such a convincing case that the resurrection actually physically happened, he talks about um, what if. I don't know if anyone's seen any of the Marvel what if series. Who has watched them? I watched them. I loved them. I thought they were great. Um, what, what if Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead? What if it wasn't true? What's the implications for us? And so what he discusses is what if the resurrection is not true? Then he talks, talks about what if the resurrection is true? And then the so what? That's where we're headed tonight. So first, Paul asks, what if the resurrection is not true? If you have your Bibles open, or if you don't have your Bibles open them, open them to 1 Corinthians 15. If you want to grab a Bible, there's some in the drawers of the back. Um, and we'll read from verse 12 through to 19. Paul says, But if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not yet been raised, sorry, has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. So what if? What if uh, there was no, there is no resurrection? Now the Corinthian problem is actually a little bit different to our problem because the Corinthian problem is not whether or not Jesus rose from the dead because that's a clearly established fact. Like that's clearly, and Paul says, like if you say Jesus rises from the dead, that's a clearly established fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Back then, like 30 or 40 years after the event where people were still around, you can ask and there was verifiable evidence. It was a fact. It is a fact. But the Corinthian problem was that there was no uh, future resurrection, that the power of Jesus rising from the dead uh, was just that, just a one-time event. There was no impact or hope or further resurrection of the people. We'll hear a little bit more about that and more about that next week. 
But there's three implications for the Corinthians of denying the resurrection, whether that's Jesus' resurrection or a future or, or the power of the resurrection. The first one is that um, they're, and our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. You know, while Paul has been going around church to church, city to city, preaching and, and creating, uh, planting churches and everything he has been doing, all the travel, all the work, all the um, beatings and the riots and the stoning, all the friends and the companions he's made along the way, all the people he's converted is all for nothing, in vain, pointless, if Jesus did not rise from the dead without a physical resurrection of Jesus. It's all worthless. Uh, and, and, and even more than that, if Jesus didn't rise from there, we are false witnesses. We are preaching a false hope. The promise that the dead will be raised, that wrongs will be made right, that those who have fallen asleep are just asleep and not lost to nothingness is a lie. When Jesus said, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Without the resurrection, that's a lie. For Paul to say, uh, that's who you were, that's not who you are. You've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of Christ and by the Spirit of God. Without the resurrection, that is a lie. Because if if Jesus did not bodily rise from the dead, and it's only a spiritual thing or it's only his personality that endures. It's only a spiritual reality that we get to enjoy uh, in, in the spiritual realm, but not in the physical realm. Then what power does he have in the physical realm? That, that the spiritual realm and the physical realm are, are separated, somehow distant and different that God is, is out there in the sky and, and that's all good, but he's, he's actually got no power or influence in our world in the physical, tangible world that we find ourselves. And therefore, there is no hope that God can do anything if Jesus didn't bodily rise from the dead. Without the resurrection, we're preaching an empty hope. And yes, that is what I believe people like Bishop Spong are preaching, an empty hope, a false hope. That's what Paul would say. The other thing Paul says is that faith is futile, that we are still in our sins, that those who have fallen asleep are lost. If there's no physical resurrection, no power to defeat death, then there's no power to overcome sin. Without the resurrection, we don't have a new life. We only have the old life that we're tangled up in sin with. Without the resurrection, it's up to ourselves to sort ourselves out. And without the resurrection, this life is all that we have, all that we have to show for ourselves. With all the muck and grime and the things we've done and the hurt that we've experienced and the hurt we've caused, that's it. And if we claim that there's a hope and there's a God who loves us, but no resurrection, we are to be pitied more than anyone. Man, that's depressing. If Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead, that is that sucks. But Jesus did rise from the dead physically. Yes, amen, come on. 
that's what Paul moves on to. So what if, what if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? That's actually a very bleak, depressing state. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. So let, let's, let's think about what if Jesus rose from the dead? If we go from verse 20 through to 28, Read along with me. Paul says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when, the, when he hands over the kingdom of God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that he does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Paul says Jesus did rise from the dead. He says that death came through a man, but new life uh, comes through Jesus. So uh, when he says death came through Adam, for in Adam all die, he's referring to that first story in the beginning of the Bible, the narrative that, that humankind chose to rule themselves, chose to, to decide that we know better than God and chose to, to reject the, the God of all life and all creation. If we reject life, then what we get is death. So death came through Adam, but Christ chose death so that we all might live. He, and we live through the power of the resurrection. And if, if the resurrection is false, it's up to us to sort ourselves out. But if the resurrection is true, then we know we have new life in Jesus. It's not up to us to sort ourselves out. out. We know that God has given us a new life. Holy, pure, perfect, worthy of the God who's created us so that we can come uh, into his community with vulnerability and honesty and all of ourselves and be real about that because in Christ we are made new. We have new life in the power of the resurrection. Paul says Christ is uh, the first fruits. And when he comes, those who, uh, who follow him will be raised as well. Uh, yeah, those, you know, but in each, each in turn will be made alive. Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. And the resurrection means and tells us and shows us we are part of something bigger than ourselves. That not only is this life not all that we we have that God has for us, but we are part of a people who belong to Jesus. He is the first fruits, the first to experience the power of the resurrection. But everyone who has faith in Him will experience that same power and be raised and be made new and has new life in Him. We are part of something bigger than ourselves, greater than ourselves, something together. 
And the other, the last, the other point that Paul makes is that with the resurrection comes victory, that Jesus will be victorious over every power, dominion and authority. And the last enemy, the greatest enemy that humanity has to face is death, is the outcome of our own poor decisions and separation from God, our greatest enemy that no one has been able to defeat except for Jesus. Jesus, as the, the, His physical resurrection from the dead demonstrates and proves beyond a doubt that Jesus has defeated death, that death has died. And if Jesus is victorious, all who are in Jesus are victorious over death. It's for those in Christ, death has turned from a full stop. That's it, it's done. There's nothing else to a comma. That there's more. There's more to come. That I was dead, full stop. No, I was dead, comma, but God made me alive in Christ. And we're next, uh, in two weeks' time, in, the, in the, the back half of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, we'll talk about the power of the resurrection. Like how does Jesus' resurrection lead to our resurrection? What's that all about? So do uh, have a listen to that when, it, when we preach it. But all authority is given uh, to Jesus. And there's this confusing bit about, well, does that mean God's uh, subject to Jesus? Um. And I don't really, I'll be honest, I don't really know why Paul put that in there. I don't really understand exactly what he's doing there. But the point is clear, that everything has been put under the authority of Jesus and Jesus is uh, subject to, to God the Father. There's nothing on earth uh, that could defeat Jesus. Not even death could hold him down. So, if the, so what if the resurrection is true? Well, then in the same power we are made alive, that we are part of a movement of recreated people of God, that we have victory over sin and death. That is the reality if the resurrection is true. And it is. And so next, Paul explores, so what? So if the resurrection is true, so what? What do we make of that? What do we do about that? Um, keep reading with me from verse 29. To 34. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? <clears throat> Excuse me. I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. So, so what? Now, Paul returns to his uh, rhetorical, what if the resurrection isn't true argument? And I wanna hear what he says, but then make the positive argument. And the first thing he says is, if there is no resurrection, what, what about those who are baptized for the dead? 
Now, the baptized for the dead could mean a number of different things. Um, Some scholars suggest that it's uh, when people died who were unbaptized, other people would be baptized on their behalf. And there's a point there, like, what's the point if the resurrection isn't true? And then, like, what's the point? Because there's no power in that. The other thing it could mean is... um, Uh, the Greek word used in the place of for the uh, could be in the name of or uh, or in death or baptize, uh, where where was it? Um, Baptize in the name of the dead. And it's a demonstration of the spiritual reality because what baptism is, is dying in Christ and rising with him in the power of the resurrection. And so without the resurrection, Baptism is just dying with Christ. And so there's this, there's this I, I, like, I wonder, is Paul making a bit of a pun here and a bit of an image of if there's no power of the resurrection, when we baptise people, we should just put people under and just leave them there. <laughs> All right, you've baptised, well done. <laughs> this is a great place. If you want to get baptised, I'd love to chat to you. <laughs> I won't do that. I won't do that. We won't do that. Because we believe in the power of the resurrection. That we're... We die with Christ and our old selves die with Christ, but then we're raised with Him in the power of the resu- resurrection. We come up in new life. Baptism has power because the resurrection is real. Baptism res- represents the reality of the power of the resurrection, that we are changed, that we can be changed. If God can, change, can raise Jesus from the dead in the same power, He can lift, lift us up from our despair and our hurt and our darkness and our sin. There is power in the resurrection because the resurrection is real. The next uh, argument Paul makes is why strive through trial and trouble in this life? Paul says, I... You know, as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with more, sorry, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? Paul fought hard and endured all kinds of really tough things, striving and persevering uh, to to preach the gospel of Jesus and to tell people the power of Jesus rising from the dead. And if he didn't, then why would Paul go fight all these beasts? Why would he put up with all these beatings? Why would he get shipwrecked? Why would he you know, persevere with this thorn in his thigh, in his side, in his flesh? Why would he keep pushing through all this opposition he's facing if it wasn't true? And I know for all of us, all of us, faith is hard. That living a Christian life is tough. There's doubt, there's unanswered prayer, there's broken relationship. There's anxiety about everything going on in the world around us. There's the constant distractions. There's the battle with deception. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to persevere in the faith. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead... Why are we, why, what's the point putting up with all that challenge if there is no reality there? If Jesus didn't actually physically rise from the dead? What gives me hope 
to keep persevering instead of uh, straying or getting complacent or getting indulgent or whatever, is that my, my confidence that Jesus physically rose from the dead, that over 500 people physically saw him in the flesh, that his, his, his friend and, and apostle and disciple Thomas physically touched the scars and put his hand on his side where he was, where he was speared, that Jesus physically rose from the dead. Because if that's true, that adds weight to the promise uh, that Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth even comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us when Jesus returns. I can be confident in that promise because I'm confident that Jesus rose from the dead. The next point that um, Paul says, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink and tomorrow we die. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, if this life is all that there is, why waste time following a God that only restricts us, that only holds us back? If the dead are not raised, like let's go out and enjoy ourselves, feed ourselves, indulge ourselves. Life without Jesus is one of pleasure where we hand ourselves over to our own desires and to the influences of this world. But life with Jesus is a life of purpose, of obedience, that God would prepare us for the glorious life that is to come. Paul says, don't be misled. Don't be ignorant. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Live the life that God has recreated us to live. Don't go back to the old life. Live the life that Jesus has uh, won for us through the power of the resurrection. So, why is the resurrection core to our theology? Why is it so important as Christians to believe in a bodily resurrection of Jesus, a physical resurrection? It's because it's core to our identity as Christians. There's three questions at the heart of every human being. Everyone here, all of you, ultimately are, are, are working through and asking three questions. Who am I? Whose am I? And why am I? That's who am I? Like, what's my identity? Who am I? Whose am I? Where do I belong? And why am I? What is my purpose? And through the resurrection, we have life. We know that we've been given an identity in Jesus Christ, that we're identified not by our own lives, our own efforts, our own whatever we've done, our own achievements, but we're identified by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that in Him, we have new life. We have an identity. We have forgiveness. We have mercy and love. We, we are His. Whose am I? Where do we belong? In Jesus, we... We, we are included in his victory. We, he is the first fruits and all who belong to him get to enjoy and experience the reality of the resurrection, that we belong to the people of God. Why am I? We've been given new life to walk in obedience with God, to have a relationship 
with Jesus, that he's made the way for that to happen. We have purpose. We have a hope to persevere. Even amidst all the struggles and trials and temptation, everything that might fight against uh, us trying to have a relationship with Jesus, the resurrection gives us a purpose and a power that defeats even death. Not even death could separate us from the love of God. Why is the resurrection core to our theology? Well, if theology is like, theology literally means um, the knowledge of God, what does the resurrection tell us about God? God is a God who gives life. God is a God who defeated death. God is a God who gives us purpose. And so through the resurrection, we have faith, we have hope, and we have love. When I pray, and then Ben will come up. Actually, before I pray, um, I feel like uh, I feel like there there might be some people here who um, are in the place of yes, I believe conceptually of the resurrection. I I, I get it. I understand it, but haven't realized the reality that it's real, not just a conceptual idea, but actually Jesus physically rose from the dead, and the power that they that can bring, that, 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 that does bring to, to bring new life, the confirmation of forgiveness, the meaning, the purpose, the belonging. And so I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to create a space to respond. And there's also Mike and Talia at the back uh, ready to pray if you want to pray about that. Um, And I'll hover around the back there as well. But when we close our eyes and pray together, and if there's anyone who has, has been struggling and finding faith hard, struggling with doubt, struggling with Uh, distractions, struggling with deception, struggling with uh, situations and things going on in their lives or mental health challenges that are battling or health issues or whatever. And it just feels like we lack power. We can't feel the power of the Holy Spirit or the power of the resurrection in our lives that we doubt if it was real. If that's you, I want to pray for you now. Heavenly Father, I pray that in the same power that, you, that rose Jesus from the dead, that you would uh, rise all of us in Christ. And for those who are struggling and finding it tough and battling uh, with faith, Lord, we thank you that they are here. We thank you that it's a battle and not just giving up. We thank you that you have a hold on them. And we pray in Jesus' name that you would reveal the truth to them. That in their heart of hearts and minds and minds, they would realize that Jesus actually physically rose from the dead. That it's not just a story, but it's a reality. 
And in that same power, we can have confidence no matter what is going on in our lives and what we are struggling with or, or what we're thinking about or doing or the mistakes we're making, that you have forgiven us, that you love us, that we belong to you. We have new life in you. And Lord, I just, I just pray that for all of us here, that we would be confident in the truth that Jesus rose from the, from the dead, that that would return as the priority in our theology, that it would return, that we would talk about it more and more, that we would uh, encourage one another more and more in the power of the resurrection, that we would see more baptisms demonstrating the reality of the resurrection in the lives of individuals, that we'd, as a community, we would grow together and get confident and bold, sharing uh, the truth about Jesus, knowing that there's nothing in this world that could separate us from the love of God because we know Jesus has risen from the dead. And Lord, we, we thank you so much that it wasn't a one-time event, but that you've included us in it. That in Jesus, we have new life. That it's not up to us to sort ourselves out, but Jesus has made us new and has made us whole. And so we can bring all of ourselves with all of our doubts, with all of our brokenness, with all of our hurt, with all the mistakes we've made, and the things we are ashamed of, we can bring that to the cross and know that it's been paid for and that there is no place for that in the new creation and that we are made new and whole. And we've, we have been shown love beyond what we can understand. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus' resurrection and that it is true and that it is real and that it is power today. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.